When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And we are joined by the cutest one, and that is Claire Parker, comedian and one half of Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh my Thanks God, for thank being you for here. coming. Yeah. I feel so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, today we are recapping When Harry Met Sally, Have either of you seen this movie before or was this your first time? I've seen it like five or six times. I feel like it's my favorite. Maybe second to You've Got Mail, but it's a top Nora Ephron (laughs) film for me. I'm glad you came on for this one because Donnie ripped You've Got Mail to shreds the other week and I was disturbed, disgusted, horrified. I have to say, I've been watching a lot of Netflix original like rom-coms and just Mm. rom-roms. I don't know what you call (laughs) just like a romance movie where there's nothing in it, but I watched Love Guaranteed. I watched Christmas with you, and then I just watched Falling for Christmas. Mm. And I have to say, say whatever you want about You've Got Mail, but it is so much better than those movies that if there's problems in it, that's literally fine. At least those two people acted like humans. (laughs) Yeah. The Netflix rom-roms are really, like, written by a bot. There is a computer somewhere that has been studying rom-coms over the years and is just churning those suckers out. And I don't know where they – I guess they're finding all of these old actors, but they managed to find the two people with the least chemistry in the world to the point where sometimes I feel like the plot doesn't even make sense anymore (laughs) because it is so unbelievable that these two people are at all romantically inclined towards each other that you're kind of like, well, what are you talking about right now? I don't understand Mm -hmm. what's going wrong. (laughs) They are bad. I get it. And I will say that in defense of Nora Ephron movies, her leads always – do have chemistry with each other. This movie I love, have nothing bad to say about it, but You've Got Mail, as our listeners know, I had nothing good to say about it, but I do think Tom and Meg formed some sort of bond. Where on Netflix, (laughs) they're just truly coming to collect the check. I just (laughs) watched Christmas with You, which I was horrified by the fact that they didn't even come up with a pun for the title. I was like, how lazy (laughs) can you be? Come on, guys, that's the only thing you get out of a Christmas movie. (laughs) And I was talking to my best friend about it, and it turns out she is a PA or an AD on film sets, and she's like, I worked on that movie. (laughs) And I swear to God, when the two leads kissed, everybody in Video Village like looked away and cringed. Like, it was so palpable on set that they did not have chemistry that when they had to do a kissing scene, it made people uncomfortable. Oh, no. Wait, who was the woman in that movie? Anybody? Her name is, I want to say Amy, maybe Amy Garcia, but it's A-I-M-E-E. I I haven't seen her in anything else. She looks exactly like Aubrey Plaza and Sarah Hyland combined. (laughs) She looks like six other actresses that currently exist based on which direction she's looking. So basically, those six women turned it down. So they were like, who's this bitch? (laughs) Let's get Amy Garcia. She's cute and I'm happy for her. But I have to say, Freddie Prince Jr. did not bring much to the table. (laughs) Oh, I believe it. (laughs) I do have to admit, I was talking about this movie like I had seen this before. But I started watching it and I had to like triple check that I was watching the right movie because I have been known in the past to like accidentally just casually watch the wrong movie leading up to a recording. (laughs) I think I thought it was Sleepless in Seattle, which then made me realize that I haven't seen that movie either. (gasps) So I would just like to issue an official apology to rom-com queen Meg Ryan. I have been uneducated, but I will repent for my sins and do better. But I did, of course, like once we got to the orgasm scene, I was like, oh, well, I do know this movie. Like that is one of the most. I mean, there's iconic scenes from it. Yeah. I feel like that just slip into everyday convo. (laughs) Like, I will not be your consolation prize. Yeah. When you know where you want to spend the rest of your life, you want the rest of your life. I mean, there's some iconic scenes from it that I think you might not even know are from there. It's definitely one of those movies that has slipped into my 
pop culture brain where I think I tricked myself into thinking I had actually watched it because I was like, well, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. The only scene I remember. Yeah, you just saw that from a Grey (laughs) Poupon commercial. This movie, though, is number six on American Film Institute's greatest romantic comedies ever made. What's number one? Oh, I didn't research that. Oh oh my god, I'm sorry. sorry. Welcome to the circus, Claire. That's our level of researcher. You guys read entire books for your podcast. We're like, okay. Yeah, but then we don't do a thing outside of it. (laughs) Like, I read a book. What else do you want? (laughs) I look up number six on the greatest list and then do nothing outside of that. So at least you have a few more sentences read. And then I'll Have What She's Having was rated number 33 of best 100 movie quotes of all time. Hmm. But... Again, I did not research 1 through 32, so we won't talk about it. Maybe, if you're lucky, if you subscribe to the $10 Patreon level, I'll throw the rest of the list Oh, my God. Is that even worth it? (laughs) To have to Google a second thing? No. Keep your pride. Keep your integrity. Don't ever look anything up for any amount of money. You're right. right. People can Google themselves. I could Google myself. I'm literally on a computer right now. Claire, I'll do anything for $10. In high school, people used to go to the salad bar and put any kind of concoction together, and I would eat it for money. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're like, I put this pate on a grape. Like, give I'm going to pay me. you $10 to never tell a story like that again, <laughs> Donnie. <laughs> I Am The Cute One is now looking for sponsors. If you have a business you'd like to promote, email Podcast at gmail.com to inquire about rates and packages. So let's talk about the movie. We'll talk about the week in history first. So this movie was released July 21st, 1989. At the top of the box office, along with this movie, was Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So mm. something for everybody. Toy Soldiers by Martika was number one on the Billboard charts. And if you're a young millennial such as myself that thinks you don't know the song, I can assure you, you do. When I read the title, I was like, I've never heard that in my life. And then I heard it, and I do know it. Can you sing it for me? Yeah, it goes like this. I mean, I don't know the words, but it's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> right, left, we all fall down. Yeah, wow. yeah, wow. Who samples that? Does Eminem sample that? I think so. Or like, God, sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent so I can't. No, we love tangents. I just got flashbacks <laughs> to like the pep up songs that we listened to on the way to high school soccer. Uh-huh. And it was like 95% luck, 100% skill. Yes. I feel like whenever the Toy Soldier remix came out or sampling came uh-huh. out, that's when that song was at. And I'm like having flashbacks. <laughs> I didn't quite get it the first time you sang it, Donnie, but then with Claire's accompaniment. Yeah, I got when there. Claire did Fort it correctly, Minor. right? Yeah. 100% reason to remember the name by Fort Minor. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, whenever that song was out, I think Eminem also had a song that sampled Toy Soldier. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there we go. Okay, we've now really covered some <laughs> questions that nobody asked. Mm-hmm. Welcome to this podcast. <laughs> and that's Claire doing the research we should have done. Mm-hmm. So get prepared for a lot more of that, I'm sure. Hey Dude, the best Nickelodeon show ever made, debuted this month, and Ooh. Signs and Scream 4 star Rory Culkin was born. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, so a lot happening on July 21st, 1989. Also, last week, Chelsea, you mentioned Millie Vanilli getting their Grammy pulled. But this day is the day that they were caught lip syncing, causing the beginning of their end of their career. Wow. I know. Crazy. And speaking of ends, this is a little dark. Rebecca Schaefer, star of the CBS sitcom My Sister Sam, was murdered what by a, a crazed fan on this day. Wow. Big day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Big day. I feel like I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to paint a picture. If nothing else, my husband said, this is why you shouldn't respond to fan mail. I said, well, (laughs) I'll learn that lesson on my own when I'm murdered. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I like to experience things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a learn by mistakes type of gal. Yeah. So to hear more or watch more, you can view the uncut, unedited, and unhinged version of our current shows at patreon.com slash I am the cute one, where there may or may not be the rest of AFI's list of greatest rom Never do it. If you want to hear me <laughs> sing a song that did not have to do with anything, that will certainly be behind the paywall because it will not make it to the main show. <laughs> so this movie was directed by Rob Reiner, who also directed Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, and Miss Can I say? I've seen none of those. (laughs) And they're the three that I thought maybe we would have. Chelsea, I know you haven't. No, none of them. Are you not a movie person? (laughs) I'm not. So that's the thing about this podcast is like I'm 
pretty much watching most of these movies for the first time. But I think that makes you like a more interesting critique because it's like you have literally no idea what you're saying. Fresh eyes like a baby. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's a nice spin of me being an ignorant bitch. But Misery is the one where they get whacked with the baseball Yeah, that's it. Well, not a baseball Oh, no spoilers, please. No spoilers, please. I might get around to watching it. Maybe we'll cover it on the podcast. (laughs) We'll bring you back. Seems like a really uplifting film. (laughs) It kind of is. No, it's not, but it's really good. It was written by Nora Ephron. As you know, I have an issue with her and the majority of her work, but I do love this movie. So for this next hour, I will praise her. But if we ever have an episode about Bewitched, you're not going to hear me singing her praises. (laughs) Well, now that this has been like two episodes in the last month that you've gone out of your way to talk about how much you hated her coverage of Bewitched, I think we can just keep that one to the side oh no i have it on our list of things to cover it's just (laughs) not going to be a happy hour for me oh great wonderful yeah the budget for this movie was 16 million and it made 93 million when when did it make that kind of money 1989 wow and it's probably made more since no it's like on a lot of JetBlue flights i think (laughs) (laughs) i did read that it's on a lot of airplane viewings but they have to cut out the orgasm scene which at that point, hmm. why even air it? Because it shows like two people just coming into themselves. And I think like in a way that that is life's orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> How beautiful. That actually should have been the tagline. So let me segue into what the real tagline was. It's not the worst one we've ever had. Holy cow. <laughs> that was Home Alone's tagline clip. Well, in all fairness, holy cow. <laughs> like it's not wrong. <laughs> so the tagline for this movie is, can two friends sleep together and still love each other in the morning? Oh, it's like some Carrie Bradshaw shit. I couldn't help but wonder. I also don't think that that is what this movie is about because most of the time they do not sleep together. It's like predominantly about them not like choosing not sleep together. Yes. I would argue the premise is like, can two people who fucking hate each other's guts eventually love each other's guts? <laughs> yeah. Can someone who hates one man's guts get his nuts in her guts? <laughs> That's the tagline. There we go. Something there. I I think it needs to be finessed, but it's like in that Mm -hmm. arena. Mm -hmm. So the film is based on Rob Reiner's experiences post-divorce and as a single man. And coincidentally, he met his current wife during the filming of this movie. Oh, cute. And one more piece of trivia before we move on. In 2004, a stage production was put on in London starring Luke Perry and Alison Hannigan. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. Sure. Random. Allison Hannigan is from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think they were just like, your haircut is kind of similar to Meg Ryan's? <laughs> it you has could to be, because what else? Good for Allison getting work, though. Do you know what I mean? That's I guess true, she must be yeah. so rich. She's in like multiple dynasty stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Buffy and that. And oh American God. Pie. Oh my God. Yeah. She yeah. is a sleeper hit. I'm trying to think there's somebody else like that where I'm like, you're not famous, but somehow you're only in the most expensive shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's a real knack for only being in like highly syndicated on Forever TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a talent. Like Leonard from The Big Bang Theory is another one too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think there's someone very specific recently who I was like, oh my God, are they secretly the richest person in the world? Because I was looking at their IMDb and I'm like, oh, they've been like in a lot. But this is very, again, I feel like I'm safe here, but sure. that was not helpful. There's somebody out there who made a lot of money that I was thinking about once. It's going to come to you like in the middle of the night. You're going to yeah. wake up and like shout their name. I'll return to this Zoom meeting. <laughs> well, for $10, Claire will host the answer. Yeah, yeah. But you have to come to my Patreon. My subscribers will be like, what are you talking about? I'll just be some access No name. context whatsoever. Like, what are you saying to us? What character from this movie, if any, do you identify as? I guess Billy Crystal, because I'm kind of a dick who like thinks they're right about everything, but every five years has like a completely different personality. (laughs) (sighs) No, I am going to answer for you. (gasps) Okay. Every week I answer for me, but this week I've taken it upon myself to identify both of us, Donnie, because when I saw these people, it was like looking into a mirror. We are that one old couple (laughs) that gets interviewed who are just talking over each other, but somehow like still soulmates. It was like listening to an episode of this podcast, (laughs) except for like instead of riding nine floors together, Donnie slid into my DMs and demanded a follow for follow. (laughs) That's our meet. Is that true? He bullied me and I'm a people pleaser. So I was like, well, this fucking weirdo, but I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, you're getting a good deal. Yeah, look at us now. For nothing but a follow, you're getting a follow. Exactly. Thank you. So that's who I think we are. You say bullying. I say 
fate. Now I do too. I said we were also soulmates. True. Opportunity well, is where luck and fate collide or whatever. That's beautiful. You should be a life coach. I don't think that that's actually how the phrase goes, but it does now. Opportunity is when DM meets DM. <laughs> All right. And now it is time for a one minute synopsis. So, Claire, let us know what this movie is about. Time starts now. This movie is about two people from Chicago. They drive to New York together, and in that way they meet. They do not get along. Five years later, they meet again. They keep meeting throughout their lives, and finally at 31, she's single. He's divorced. They meet up, and despite every previous encounter being awful for Meg Ryan, (laughs) they become friends because he's been broken and he has been beaten down. (laughs) Through her, he learns how to treat people better. They have fun. They become best friends. And then after a mistake sexual encounter, their friendship ends, only for him to realize that without her, his life is meaningless. <laughs> he runs into our arms and professes his love, and they make it work. They live happily ever after. How was that? How long Perfect. was it? Like 35 seconds? We don't really ever keep track. <laughs> the only time I know that it's wrong is when it's like six minutes long. So you did great. Thank you. I've like talked very fast. So I feel like if anything, I could have done... <laughs> two movies in a minute. Do you want to recap Home Alone also while you're here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it in 10 seconds. Here's the premise. He's Home Alone. Holy cow. So this movie is framed with interviews from couples telling their love story. And our first scene is an older couple recounting their meet cute. And what I thought was interesting, I found in my studies, the segments with married couples telling the stories were... Direct quotes and real stories from real couples that Rob Reiner talked to. And then they Uh just hired actors to, like, retell their story. I'm so happy you told me that because when I watched that movie last night, I said specifically, I wonder if these are real couples or actors. And then I said, when the credits pop up, I'm going to find out. And then I forgot to actually follow up with that. (laughs) Well, now you know it's half and half. Do either of you have a meet cute story you'd like to tell? I'm engaged and me and my fiancé met. Working together. I was the assistant. I was like the receptionist. Oh, the assistant? Like his assistant? I was like the assistant for everyone on the floor. Oh, like, okay. So I was like his assistant, but I wouldn't say he was my boss. Okay. He's yeah. also younger than me. Oh, fancy. <laughs> so it's a real choose your adventure in terms of <laughs> dynamics. <laughs> I don't really have a good one. A friend introduced us and we got drunk and took a lot of tequila shots and I made out with him. On a dance floor. Beautiful. Ooh. Here we are, 10 years later with two wow, children. Wow, you guys still making out full of tequila? We are. So, you <laughs> know, some things don't change. <laughs> I love that. Mine is really good. However, he's in the room and I think we'll get mad. So we'll come back to this in a later a episode. A splice in later. Ooh. I love that. <laughs> okay, a teaser. So tune in for when I randomly throw it in like a Jennifer's Body recap. Okay. Like, remember? I'd pay $15 on the Patreon to hear the fight that you guys got into if he gets mad about it. I'd pay $10 for a meet cute and then $15 to hear him be a little Ooh. mad right now. <laughs> Can we hire you as our business yeah, manager? Please. You know what people love? <laughs> Bickering. <laughs> so it's nice. 1977, and stranger Sally Albright and Harry Burns spend 18 hours together as they drive to New York City from the University of Chicago. They bond, if you can call it that, over bad sex, good movies, the difference between men and women, and days of the week underpants. The car ride and possible friendship comes to an end when Harry tells Sally he finds her attractive, and when she suggests a friendship, he tells her men and women can't be friends because the sex thing gets in the way. Let's go live on the field with resident pussyhead Chelsea. <laughs> I know you have something to say, so take it away. No, you know what, Donnie? Let me turn the tables on you. What do you think I'm going to be outraged about? Let's see if your women's studies courses have paid off. Not necessarily outraged. I just know that you will have an opinion on his opinion. And not that you shouldn't. This is a podcast about opinions. <laughs> I'm just interested in hearing yours. Okay, so... This is the thing, though. There's something refreshing about Harry's entire platform literally being hashtag yes, all men, because he's Mm. basically like, hey, men are pieces of shit. All (laughs) of us, every single one, which is usually what I say. So I don't really have that much to add because he's already kind of saying it for me. I will say, though, that I think that movies from this era taught an entire generation that fighting is the same as passion. Because an 18-hour car ride arguing with someone about, like, <laughs> literally everything is truly, like, a circle of hell for me. That's not foreplay. That's not kinky. That is, like, I would rather just, like, tuck and roll on the side of the interstate. <laughs> okay, can I say something in defense of this movie? Because someone actually recently said to me on my podcast that they hated 
when Harry met Sally and that it's like complete patriarchy bullshit and it's like upholding the patriarchy. And I was surprised because I'm normally pretty like skeptical and cynical. And I was like, I mean, I definitely think it's, you know, a bit dated. If it came out today, people would be like, what the fuck? It's very like heteronormative. Mm. But I've never been like, this was egregious. And on the rewatch, I kind of stand by it because the thing about Harry's character is he is so unlikable. There's Mm -hmm. nobody who could watch that movie and say, well, he's a cool guy and he's right. Like even... (laughs) There's that scene where he's talking about when he gets cheated on, and even his own friend is like, well, infidelity is just a symptom of Mm -hmm. other problems. And he's like, that symptom's fucking my wife. And you know what I mean? Like, nobody agrees with him. He never comes off good. She always stands up for herself. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason it's okay that they fought so much is she didn't go, oh, wow, there's something here. I love this man who picked and pulled at me all car Mm -hmm. ride. She never spoke to him again. And then when she saw him later, she was like, I don't even want to say hi. She held the grudge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like don't really have a problem with the fact that their dynamic is bad at the beginning because no. at no point in the film do you go, Sally, no. <laughs> like when they have sex, you're like, oh, this isn't going to be great. But even after that, she stands up for her. She does not put up with a lot of bullshit. And so that's why I sure. think it is okay that he's full of bullshit. I actually couldn't agree more because he is a douchebag, but we're meant to recognize what a douchebag he is. And I, and I'm going to talk about this more like throughout the movie, but I think Sally is one of the most interesting complex characters that I've watched in a while because I started out like the being terrible to servers thing totally threw me as to Mm. what type of person she was going to be. But she has so many layers. She's like Shrek in that onion. (laughs) I love that she always stands up for herself. I love that she always calls him on his shit. And I love that she's like this motherfucker. Like I will hope to God you don't recognize me because I certainly remember that 18 hour car ride with you. Well, I'm glad that you brought up her being a disaster to servers because that wasn't in the original script. And then Rob Reiner witnessed Nora Ephron doing that repeatedly to serving people. So then he put it in the movie. And when she like read it and said, oh, no, this isn't okay," She said, I just order it the way that I like it. And then he put that in the script, too. (laughs) So everything that makes Sally a monster is all Nora Ephron trade. Okay, can I say, though, I am a former server, and it's definitely, like, it wasn't my favorite thing to take, whatever, but I don't think she's rude. You know what I mean? Yeah, She just likes what she likes. She could have used please and thank you (laughs) a little bit more. She could have said, like, I know I'm a pain. She could have been a little more self-deprecating, but maybe that is the patriarchy coming through with me as a people pleaser to soften the blow of me being straightforward. And she did tip, but it was 15%. But back in the day, that was... I mean, I remember as a kid growing up, it was like 12 to 15%, but I always did 15%. And then at one point, it started becoming like, is it 15 to 20? Mm, And at some point, it shifted fully to like, no, 20 is the amount. And I do think that that is just like an inflation thing. When it became like, servers are actually not able to make a living if you don't tip them 20%. Okay. Okay. I will say the only time she bothered me doing it, like I know she did it often, but the only time she bothered me is when it was the pie. She's like, I need it this hot if it's this, but if you don't have that, then I need it cold and with this and with that. I'm like, all right, bitch, relax. I actually, for a period of time at my old day job, was taking lunch orders during the pandemic because we went back to the office right away. And like the one thing they did to try to make it better is we got lunch ordered in every day, but I had to do all the personal ordering of the lunch. And I would have somebody who would send me and be like, I want this, but if I can't have this, I want that. And if I can, and I was just like, it made, he was my enemy. He was my fucking enemy. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm jealous of her ability to do that because I am the type of person that if I order a Caesar salad and they bring me like a cup of clam chowder, I'm going to be like, thank you so much. I actually didn't know that I wanted this, but I will be tipping you 20% and thank you for bringing me this. I feel that. Like I would never complain, but. Yeah, I think it would take them literally like doing misery, like whacking me with that baseball bat or something for me to not tip. (laughs) We talked a lot about Sally, but I will talk about Harry a little bit. And by a little bit, I really just mean I've never found Billy Crystal attractive in my life. He's the voice of Mike Wazowski, for God's sake. (laughs) I don't know what it is in this movie, but I would bottom for him so hard. I think it's because the hair he had in college is the hair I had in college. Uh, You want to fuck yourself? (laughs) You know I would. Can I say I agree? And I'm pretty picky with men. I like my type is like 
conventionally attractive. Do you know what I mean? I'm not a Pete yeah. Davidson lover. I'm not no. a Timothy Chalamet lover. No. I'm I like a, like a strapping man, you know. Yeah. And like yeah. I didn't find Billy Crystal attractive in this, but if my friend who was as pretty as Meg Ryan was like, "This is the man I'm in love with," I wouldn't be like, "What the fuck is going on?" No. And that's, yeah. do you know what I mean? I feel like there's something about him that he pulls off a woman as cute and pretty as Meg Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I would say bust down, Tatiana. <laughs> Great job. He's <laughs> <laughs> good in this. So, let's continue. Mm-hmm. Five years later, Harry runs into Sally on a flight, who proves that not only was she a menace to white staff in the past, but she continues to be so. Even so, Harry wants to be her friend, so he makes an amendment to his previous rule. If both people are in a relationship, men and women can be friends, but the two continue on without a friendship until they bump into each other yet again, now both newly single, another five years later at a bookstore, which, may I mention, is not the shop around the corner. Because even Sally Albright does not support You've Got Mail. And the two then decide to get coffee together. And this is why I say don't take dating advice from your single friends. Because would you take diet advice from me? No. Would you take singing lessons from Chelsea? Christ, no. (laughs) (laughs) She has had a bad first impression of this man twice now. But Mm -hmm. Carrie Fisher whispers in her ear about how all the good men will die (laughs) as your eggs dry up. And now suddenly she... Like second and third guesses herself. Yeah. Especially because, like, you've spent enough time with this man, and sure, people can evolve and grow, but, like, yeah. you know what you're working with. This is post divorce, right? At this point, when they meet in the bookstore? Yes. Yeah. He's like down and out. I do think that divorce broke him. I think mm-hmm. it, like, rocked him to his core, and I think it's the beginning of his, like, growth as self. Mm. And I think that that is a vibe you could pick up on. Like, if you've only seen someone twice in 10 years and they're coming at you and very clearly beaten down, which I think he was, I think you could pick up on being like, you're not coming at me haughty. Like, if you compare it to how he met her the two other times, the first time he, like, spits a grape out the window. The second time... (laughs) He literally doesn't remember He doesn't remember and then goes, did we sleep together? Like, those are such shitty ways that just a decent, normal opening, you might be like, okay, maybe this is a different thing. And I will say that we've been talking consistent shit about, like, what an asshole he is. He does remind me of one of my very best friends. I've referenced him before, but I met him through my ex-boyfriend, but I got custody of him in the breakup, despite the fact that he is literally my ex-boyfriend's cousin. So that's a tale for another day. He was literally the officiant of my wedding. It's like a whole saga. Oh my God. Like one of my very, very best friends. But I saw him go through this like Billy Crystal transformation because my nickname for him in college was PA, which stood for pompous asshole. Like he just had an opinion about everything like I've always loved him dearly but he was such a dick and then you know with age he got a little less hipstery I got a little less bitchy which I know Donnie can you imagine more (laughs) bitchy but also like he's since fallen in love and it's such a softer version of him and it's really sweet to see that transformation and it's a totally different energy and you could kind of see that with Billy Crystal's character in the bookstore of he Mm -hmm. like went up to her and was like first and last name I remember you like totally different vibe which I could see her being like hmm interesting that makes sense i think like one of the things that makes this movie so good is that the characters are really well written that way and i do believe like that kind of thing is considered do you know what i mean like if this was falling for christmas i would not be like maybe his vibe was different maybe she was able to pick up on that but i do think here exactly what you just said for him to walk up and say sally albright and address her specifically Mm -hmm. and like he's much more nervous i think in the approach yeah Mm -hmm. i do think that we are supposed to realistically be like somebody who is receiving this new energy might be more open to it, even if there was a bad history. Yeah. And that he felt like he knew it all and he literally got blindsided by his wife. So like everything he thought he'd do, because that was like his whole thing was he was always preaching about how everything in the world was like very black and white. And now he's like, well, I'm a broken man and I don't know shit. So let's try to be friends. Yeah, I get it. I think I'm just not deep enough to pick up on those things. So Thank you both for educating me. You were just ready to bottom for them regardless. You know I would. (laughs) But I would also listen to my friend if it was Carrie Fisher. And she was like, go fuck them. I'm like, all right, whatever you say. Oh, my God. Carrie Fisher (laughs) is more than just your single friend. She is like a hot mess. The amount of years she spent with that boss of hers was insane. Truly. Poor thing. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> we need a spinoff about her. <laughs> but it appears that third time is the charm because Harry and Sally become friends. And soon the two are eating dinners together, falling asleep on the phone, watching old movies, doing impression and improv work, and sharing details about their sex dreams with each other. Yeah, not exactly the male and female friendships I have. <laughs> but, you know, if it works for them, great. Yeah. I vividly remember my first sex dream. It wasn't like sex per se, but I woke up with strong feelings. And did you ever watch Big Bad Beetleborgs? Yes. It was like a fever dream of a show. It was like Power Rangers, but there was a haunted house. You don't understand. I acted so fucking unhinged over Beetleborgs. Like some of my most clear as day memories have to do with Beetleborgs. One of them was about my mom is an artist and she had an opening and we were driving to the opening after school. We were like in the back with her. And when I realized that the timing of this opening meant that it was going to interfere with me watching Beetleborgs that day, I got so upset I tried to jump out of the car on the highway. (laughs) I was like six. I was like, I will run home. I have to go watch this show. It was on every day. And then my second clear as day memory is that when I was, again, six, I had took this like dance class with I, my best friend was a boy girl twin. So my mom picked us all up and was going to drive us home. And they had said something about along the lines of they had never missed an episode. And the jealousy and rage that I felt in my heart that like, this is <laughs> unjust. Like it is not fair that I have suffered and you have not. I did this <laughs> thing where I kept turning the car light on, like inside the car. So that then my mom would be like, Claire, you, we can't drive if you do that. And I, consistently did it on purpose to make us late so that they would miss a show because I I wanted them to feel the pain. pain. (laughs) I was so jealous. There was a period of time where I thought I fully hallucinated the show because not another person. Yeah, I don't know. It's just you and me. Yes, I would mention Big Bad Beetleborgs and everybody would look at me like I was an idiot. And I was like, no, it was like a show. There was that little ghoul who looked exactly like Jay Leno named (laughs) Flabber who like gave them their special powers. Okay, so Claire, you will appreciate this. My first sex dream had to do with Big Bad Beetleborgs. I had a dream. I was the girl with super strength and... I was like, you know, fighting the bad guys with the two other people and something, again, I was a kid, so it wasn't like there was like penetration or anything, but I woke up feeling a lot of things for the two boys in Big Bad Beetleborgs. Okay. Wow. Okay. And, you know, at least Flabber <laughs> wasn't in it. I think that's when I really would have been worried about myself if, you know, he had stuck his chin in there. I like barely remember. I just like have this vision of like very shoddy camera work in the desert, right? It was just like dusty. Yes. And... And then I remember distinctly those two periods in my life when I acted fucking insane on behalf of Beetleborgs. No, I love that. I love that. No, I found a video finally after all these years of searching. I will send it to you and it will come back to you like a ton oh, of bricks. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know that I can handle it. I feel like it might be too powerful for me. <laughs> You're going to be turning on lights and like causing car crashes. And I don't even know the show exists. So I was just silent for the past two minutes Googling as you two talked about it so mm-hmm. I could have images side by side uh-huh. to really get pictures together in my brain. Are you more horrified now? Well, I want to know the two that you fucked in your dream, but we'll make that a Patreon exclusive. Yeah. You can post the picture. <laughs> for $10, I'll post that Beetleborgs. <laughs> yeah. We are raking in the money this month. So much money. So rich. So wealthy. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles 
bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Calling all Virginia cuties, Mother Magnolia is a houseplant specialty boutique offering supplies and goods for novice, self-proclaimed plant murderers to expert-level plant parents. Educational and DIY workshops are offered for cuties in the area, and virtual pay-what-you-can plant consults are offered if you can't make it to Virginia. And with the holidays approaching, be sure to check out MotherMagnoliaPlants.com for their online shop. They've got everything you never knew you needed, from soil scoops and trellises to planty stickers, pins, cards, and apparel. That's MotherMagnoliaPlants.com. And to follow the journey, follow Mother Magnolia on TikTok, Mother Magnolia Plant Co. on Instagram and Facebook. So the holidays approach, and when the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve, the two share a quick kiss. And I do mean very quick, like quick as how you'd kiss your mother on the mouth. Okay. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess just gays kiss their mom on the mouth. When is the last time you kissed your mom on the mouth? Too often. Because now my husband has drawn it to my attention that a mother kissing you on the lips as an adult man is uncomfortable. So now... She tries to, like when she says goodbye, she goes to kiss me on the lips, and then I move and show my cheek instead. Face cheek, not butt cheek. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> I think that the message would be clearer if you went butt cheek. <laughs> Maybe that should be your next approach. Just the next time she tries, just bend over and whip out that cheek. Oh my God, can I say something corny? Please. Of course. I was going to say, it's not passive aggressive, it's passive aggressive. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. Is that awful? No, that's incredible. Put it on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Yeah, I do think you should go the ass-of-aggressive route then. I will. (laughs) So to make sure they can stay friends once they get in relationships, and let's be real, to prevent them from sleeping with each other because they clearly want it to happen, Harry and Sally set each other up with their best friends. However, when the four go to dinner, Harry's best friend and Sally's best friend throw a wrench in the plans when they fall for each other and get engaged. And soon the new couple is trying to set Harry and Sally up with their other single friends at game night. I think if I was one of these people being set up on game night, the other person would block me on all social media immediately, <laughs> file a restraining order. I get very competitive. Like a game night is not the place for me to meet someone that you want me to be in a relationship with. But maybe it is. Maybe it's good to show somebody like your worst qualities first and be like, <laughs> you still interested, baby? It only goes up from here. It can only be better. Uh, well, God bless them if they are interested after that, because I certainly would. Chelsea, are you a crazy gamer? I enjoy it. I don't like hyper competitive because I can be a hyper competitive person, but I've kind of like learned how to power that side of me down. Mm. So I don't like to see that side of myself. So I like to play for fun. I like to, you know, mix and mingle. So I think Donnie would actually murder me if we were to participate in a game night together. (laughs) I just recently in my life started playing games. I'm not competitive, even in sports, whatever that is inside of people that makes them want to be able to do planks for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I'm just like missing that. Like there's something to me where the if the end goal is truly trivial, if there's nothing more than being able to say that you won, I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, if we were fighting for something good, like ice cream or money, I guess I would, like, want it. But, like, if, like, the value of working hard is to say that you won your, like, varsity girls high school soccer game, then yeah. I'm just like, well, you can't win them all. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fair. I do like that the two prizes were ice cream or money. Yeah. 
Those are, I mean, I don't know what else is worth fighting for. Nothing. <laughs> so when Sally finds out her ex is getting married, she calls Harry in the middle of the night for a shoulder to cry on. But in her vulnerable state, the two cross lines and he quickly becomes a dick to ride on as well. Oh, my. <laughs> Chelsea, I get really artsy when I write the outline. You sure do. Did you write these? I did. I did. Wow, yeah. I thought you were reading off of Wikipedia. You're so talented. <laughs> I did find, like, of all the times to try it, like, this was a little icky for me. She's ugly crying. You know there's snot. It did seem a little predatory. She's in a vulnerable state, and I 100% agree. And especially for him to initiate and then kind of back yeah. out at the end, that is so shitty. He has, like, one last asshole hurrah. Well, that's not true. He's a dick at the wedding, too. Yeah. He's being ass-aggressive all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do think it could have been easier to swallow <laughs> if he was in a vulnerable state as well or something. Even if he was intoxicated a little bit and she was emotionally vulnerable, something that made them like on even playing fields. Yeah. But for him to like be sober as a stone at his home, get a phone call and then go over and that's the state she's in, that was tough. Yeah, for him to come over to like comfort her and then was like, now I'm going to initiate this and then freak the fuck out. I'm sad for her. Yeah, I really like she it made so me upset. Happy. But again, I don't think she ever acts in a way that's like, like, I don't think it was her fault for doing it. Like, no. she's in a bad spot. And then I don't think she's not somebody who calls the next day and is like, well, that was great. What did you think? Like, she immediately picks up on the weird signs mm-hmm. when he treats her like shit. She like expects an apology. She's not just okay with the way he treated her. And I, I think that that's why it's okay for me because there's never a point where he's acting like an asshole and she's putting up with Because it. she is happy like afterwards, but then when she comes back with the water, she can immediately sense because then they go to bed like both awkward because she's picking up on his awkwardness. And then once he leaves the next morning, then she not checks out, but kind of. Like she's like, fuck you and your mom. Specifically mm-hmm. the mom that I'm going to kiss on the mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So then they don't speak for three weeks until they see each other at Marie and Jess's wedding. After Harry says he pitied her the night that it happened and compares her to a dog. So fucked up. So fucked up. And I did think at one point he was comparing himself to a dog and I'm like well at least that would be like some self-reflection but no don't like sleep with me break my heart and then call me a dog a literal dog how dare you I do think with the hair she had in this movie she looked like one of those cute dogs the Sharpay Sharpays are not cute Sharpays have wrinkles oh what's the one that has I know which one you mean the one from Lady and the Tramp that's like sexy (laughs) (laughs) I just called a cartoon dog sexy which Uh is very my brand but this is a female so that's really throwing me off um But anyway, a little trivia for you. The scene where all four are on the phone took 61 takes to get right. And they originally got the hanging up at the same time right on shot 56. But then the guy that plays Jess got his line wrong after that. So they had to do it for like six more shots until they did the whole scene correctly. Wait, they couldn't green screen it? I mean, within years, we had the parent trap of Lindsay Lohan (laughs) playing her own twin. Where was the budget? (laughs) I don't know. Rob Reiner was not attached to the parent trap. So I guess he was still using misery type film technique. Well, what we learned from Practical Magic, that's just like a day on set for Nicole Kidman. She (laughs) would do every single scene up to 60 times. 71 times. Oh, 71 times. Disgusting. Every single single yeah. scene if you ever get the chance to work with nicole kidman do not sign that contract <laughs> that's what she wants yeah on practical magic sandra bullock said she got them correct on like the fourth or fifth shot and nicole kidman was like no we're gonna do 65 more times and the director said great idea this is why hot mm-hmm. women shouldn't be in movies <laughs> that's not an okay thing to think and then execute no no terrible so anyway yeah there certainly could have been other ways of filming that phone scene yeah and does it matter if all four phones hung up at the exact same time right it just feels like they could have recorded one and then played it right even like a master one yeah. that then yeah. you sync the second one to and, and then you do the it. couple last do yeah. it tiktok style do it <laughs> Well, they didn't know then what we know now. I know. If only. We're gods among men. This is like how, you know, you have more 
science in your iPhone than they had when they went to the moon. It's like you have more power in your little TikTok app than they had in all of Harry Met Sally. All of that multi-million dollar budget. $16 million because they had to record the 61 times. I know. They had to probably. keep craft services open. <laughs> yeah. Just so Princess Leia could eat a crumpet. So with that, we're taken to next year's holiday season where Harry continues to try to get a hold of Sally to apologize, but she screens her calls and continues to ignore him. He finally does get through and he invites her to a New Year's party that she declines. So instead, he spends New Year's alone and while she spends New Year's with a man that looks like a Jeopardy contestant. Harry realizes he doesn't want to ring in a New Year without Sally, so he runs through the streets of New York to meet Sally at the party where he lists everything he loves about her and that he wants to spend the rest of his life with her. Which I think this is my favorite New Year scene, besides when Sarah Jessica Parker does it to Miranda in the Sex and the City movie. She's like, you're not alone. You're not alone. That didn't happen in this movie, though. So <laughs> we'll save that for when we cover that movie. So all buying sign plays, they kiss, and I sobbed quietly on my couch watching this. <laughs> It was sweet. It was very sweet. And in one last interview with a couple, Harry and Sally give details about their wedding. And that's enough to make me orgasm. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> see what I did there? And that's the movie. I love that. I have to say, upholder of the patriarchy are not. Meg Ryan is adorable. I think love that her. they're actually interesting characters. I feel like it's the perfect length for them to like not be together, not be together, not be together, and then they get together. You're yeah. so happy when they do. His proclamation of love is so sweet. So you sweet. really believe the chemistry there. Mm-hmm. I like the side characters of Carrie and that other guy. You even believe that couple. Like something when that couple yeah. hits it off, you're like, yeah, I believe that they would get married. Like the quality of the chemistry and the character building it's just unmatched these days. I don't know. Even if it's not ideal about the way they talk about men and women relations, I think as a feel-good movie that just ac- accomplishes what it sets out to do, which is have two cute people kiss. Yeah. We cover some real stinkers and we cover some movies that really do not hold up. And I really liked this movie. I think that the characters are sweet. I do. Like you said, I believe it. I believe that that side character owned that terrible table. Like I believe that that was in his bachelor pad and that he thought that that was a good table. Like I just felt like all of the characters were really fleshed out. And even though at times Harry was deeply unlikable, I believed his redemption arc, which I very rarely do. Like I believed that he at the end was finally worthy of Sally. Yeah, Me too. I think that he had been beaten down by that divorce And then losing her again, he like truly had a come to Jesus moment. Final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to the present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be? It was so hard, I think, to cast this remake because these two are so charismatic and have such good chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I was racking my brain trying to find like an actress and actor that are that charismatic now. And I truly thought I couldn't do it until I cast Kiki Palmer as Sally. Obviously. obviously. (laughs) I love Kiki. Do you want to hear my Kiki Palmer story? Please. (gasps) When I was a senior in high school, me and my family woke up very early to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. She was in that parade. She was on a float. And my family, you know, I was in high school. My brother was in high school. There was a lot of hormones. There was a lot of drama. We were not getting along well as a family. Kiki Palmer from her float looked at my brother and said, I like your hair. Pointed his hair and said it. And I I kid you not when I say it kind of brought my family back together. Kiki Palmer saved Thanksgiving. The power that that woman had. I mean, it was like, we had a couple of rough years after that, but like we always had this shining light of, well, my brother has good hair per Kiki Palmer. And that's something that we can all agree on and be proud of. I love Kiki Palmer. Me too. Did you ever watch her TikToks when she did like Southern Woman? I can't remember what they were fully called. Southern Belle Insults. Southern Belle Insults. (laughs) I would watch, I'd be like, you did that all in one take. You deserve an Oscar for this TikTok. <laughs> Truly. And she just started her own, like, I don't know if it's a real TV network or if you can only watch it online. I'm not quite sure. But she started her own network and Southern Belle Insults has a little segment on it. So she is back. Miss Lady Miss has returned. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. Good news. Great news. <laughs> um, and opposite Kiki Palmer, this one. I'm not so proud of. Liam Hemsworth will be all right. Sure. It's fine. What about like a Jacob Elordi? Ooh, oh, I could that's do a that. Good yeah. Because I feel like he's a dick bag. No, <laughs> I've never seen Euphoria, but that's the vibe. No. Yeah. But I feel like he's a dick bag that you're low key like, God, but I would do anything for you to not be so mean to me. <laughs> like if you give me even a half of a chance of seeming like a good guy, I would, <laughs> I would work for it. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm not particularly proud of mine. I usually do sequels, but I do love this story so much that I would want it to be like actually a remake. So 
not super proud of this, but it's based on basically like the characters I've seen these people play before. So I think Jake Johnson could be the Billy Crystal character, mm, the grumpy okay. Nick Miller yeah. character. I think that that's spot on. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I'm happy with that. And then I think Jennifer Lawrence could play the modern day version of Sally. So that's all I have this time. What about Anne Hathaway? Oh. That would be a good one too. Because she has the soft uptightness. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking of Anne Hathaway in Bride Wars. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? She has something where she's both like a people pleaser, but in a way that's like persnickety. Mm. I would do an Anne Hathaway moment with Jake Johnson. I would be happy with that. I, I really think that that's good, honestly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, usually <laughs> I really fall on my face. So maybe this is the best one I've ever done because I was feeling yeah. self-conscious. Usually I just go in so confident and Donnie's like terrible. No, you were half right this time. Thank Claire you. just had to Thank help you, you out. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm taking credit for Anne Hathaway. I think Jacob Elordi <laughs> is obviously a swing and a miss oh, yeah. with Anne Hathaway. That would not make any freaking sense at all. <laughs> But I think we tag-teamed this. Yeah. Yeah, We came to something. So final, final thoughts. We've talked about a lot of it, but what for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster? Okay. I have one. Okay. I thought it was genuinely impressive for the time for her to be 31 and very like casual about being single. I know her friends were freaked out, but I feel like that is a very reasonable age where if you are starting to get nervous, like, oh, well, the clock is ticking, I don't think that that's, like, crazy. But also I think it was very cool to see someone 30 years ago, 35 years ago, be like, I'm 31, I have a ton of time. Yeah. I stood up for what I wanted. He wasn't giving me everything, and so I'm going to have happiness. Like, I, she made the harder choice to bet on herself, and I really respected that, and I think that that aged really well. That Like, I don't know how somebody today would play it any different or any more progressively. Absolutely. I think that her character ages really well. I love that she always put him in his place. I love that she stood up for herself. I love her dedication to proving her point and proving what a idiot he was like she literally in front of a whole restaurant faked an orgasm just to prove her point that he is a moron and i always love that level of petty to just fully commit (laughs) and also after that when she goes you're the front to all women and i'm a woman like she doesn't play the character of like oh well other girls but you and me No, no she's like you're fucked up, dude. Mm-hmm. And she's a good friend. Like, she's supportive to her friend, but gives tough love where she's like, I don't think any of us think he's leaving his wife. But she's also not being like my pathetic, sad friend. Right. I just really liked that character. I felt like even the unlikable parts of her in a weird way made her more likable because she's yeah. like a real person and none of us are perfect or completely likable. I think a lot of this movie held up. And again, we cover a lot of movies that don't. And so it's always hard for me to find things that age like Blockbuster when there aren't those glaring things like a slur being said or like (laughs) a blatant homophobic subplot. So I don't know. What about you, Donna? I don't know if it aged well, but I hope it did. You know, I'm not a fashion girly, but I did love every single look that Sally served, except for the haircut on the airplane. But everything else, the hair and the clothes, if it didn't age well and people aren't dressing and wearing their hair like this now, I don't know what the fuck you're waiting for because you need to because (laughs) it was all iconic. Oh my God. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. Oh my God. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you for coming. Uh, Let everyone know if they don't listen to your podcast or follow you, let them know where they can do both of those things. Um, we're Celebrity Memoir Book Club everywhere. And then I am Claire the Scare. Yay. Wonderful. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening. Next week we'll, we'll be covering Home for the Holidays and Chelsea's brother will be our guest. Making his grand debut. <laughs> and we will talk to you later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at RealDonnyWood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at OnoChels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to you later. later. Love you like like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.